0: Welcome back to Foreign Office, I'm Michael Weiss, Director of Special Investigations at the Free Russia Foundation and Senior Correspondent at Yahoo News. This week, I am joined by a very special guest, uh, Andrei Kozurev. Uh, he is the former Russian Foreign Minister, in fact, I think the longest-serving foreign minister that Russia has had prior to uh, his not-so-distinguished successor, Sergei Lavrov. And Andrei um, is uh, the author of a recent book, which the subject of which we're going to get into a little bit later in the conversation but if you don't follow him on twitter uh, he's a very outspoken and um, and and also eloquent voice of reason and you know i tell my ukrainian friends when they say where are the good russians who are not just denouncing putin and corruption and trying to reform uh, the system in in moscow but who also side with us he's one of the, the, the people who top the list because he's been wholeheartedly in support of Ukraine's uh, war of defense and survival. Uh, and if anything, I think he thinks the West hasn't given enough military equipment and enough aid to Ukraine. So, Andre, uh, welcome back. I think we've had this discussion or a version of this about a year ago, and it's always good to hear from you. And, and given your authority and your bona fides, um, it, it's just fantastic to have someone of your of your stature on the show.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed uh, our last meeting and uh, I feel comfortable. Uh, I don't give any more any interviews on the uh, Russian official uh, uh, TV, but there is uh, no independent uh, TV or source actually in Russia because they uh, promise even sometimes that it would be a live, but uh, they do Recording and then they doctor the recording, and uh, I cannot recognize myself. I never said what they show, you know, because they pick up words and and something. So um, I don't um, uh, anymore uh, agree, even when invited to speak, because I know that it would be uh just perverted.
0: Uh, you, you might wake up and find that this interview has been <laughs> no, recorded, I mean. doctored, and repurposed for Russian state TV. So be careful what you say. Or actually don't be careful what you say, because it might be more fun that one.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so um what was your question? Your question Well the
0: first per- the first question I want to ask you is a very broad one, which is I mean, given your role and your understanding of the nature of the Russian system and also its relationship with the West, I mean that was your job. You were foreign statesman. Uh, what what is your assessment now of Putin's regime, his hold on power, the longevity? How 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 long can they keep this war up? And what would happen to the system uh, should they suffer a catastrophic strategic defeat, meaning Ukraine's total military victory?
1: Well, the. Uh, the, the Putin's regime is actually uh, a police state and ideological state. Uh, that is that uh, they have overwhelming totalitarian type of propaganda, and now they are even pushed into the education of uh, the kids from the early very early age and that's the long-term, might be long-term damage to Russia. So uh, this regime is anti-Russian uh, from the very beginning. It's, it does not provide economic growth. They uh, forfated, uh the, the windfall from uh, the high oil prices, um, though Putin capitalized on that. Otherwise, economy is very primitive. Uh, and uh, the social structure is uh, diminished to not even to one party because he has no party he has a mob which is indoctrinated through uh, the totalitarian control of the society of the, of the press and uh intimidated by a repression and uh, brutal repression which more and more reminds of the Stalin type. I grew up in the Soviet Union uh, after Stalin uh, under Brezhnev and earlier in my life under even Khrushchev but it, it was nothing comparable you know they they were like in gloves at that time already but now these guys are going back to more like Stalin's type uh, uh, dictatorship. So under these circumstances, he started the war uh, perhaps because of stupid ideas uh, promoted by his own propaganda. It, you know, it's vicious circle. He thinks something, he says something, then the propaganda returns to him. And what is even more important and what is more dangerous that the foreign ministry, which should report from the outside, including uh, Ukraine, and the uh, intelligence services. There is a military intelligence service, there is a former KGB intelligence, intelligence service, but they all return to him what he wants to hear. You know, So he is caught in some kind of um, illusional world, but that's true. Uh, so that might be one source that uh, he started to believe that Ukraine is indeed is no country, no nation, nation, you know, and that they are failed state or Nazi or not. I mean, that is outrageous lie, of course, but all of that uh, turned to be a lie, but Nazi probably exaggeration, which he knows that it's exaggeration, but that it was an easy prey, so to say, a cheap prey. That was one idea, that he could take it in a few days and have a great victory. The other uh, was much deeper and longer, the idea that if Ukraine, and actually other uh, republic, former Soviet republics, but particularly Ukraine, because of its closeness, because of its size, because its I mean, educated population and all that, and Slavic population, and largely, uh, of course, Christian, but also a uh, so-called Pravoslavny, which is Orthodox um, Christianity, Greek type, uh, which is installed in Russia. So, for for all these uh, reasons, um, he fears. That if Ukraine becomes democratic, if Ukraine goes uh, European way, so to say, goes to uh, uh, European Union economically and socially, and legally especially, and uh, becomes a free country, it will be too an attractive a model, you know, an example for Russian people. So uh, by definition. That is subversive to his power, uh, by definition. I mean, uh, it's like why they hate uh, America, why they hate the West itself, for this simple reason: because it is living example that other peoples could uh, live much better life in conditions of freedom.
0: Right. Uh, and but the the irony of this is of course his intervention military intervention beginning in 2014 the takeover of Crimea the the war in Donbass began to do the opposite of what he would have hoped right instead of you know promoting russian interests and making ukraine tilt eastward it it made made ukraine more europhile and it revivified ukrainian nationalism and a ukrainian sense of Sovereign identity. And now it's even worse. I mean, you can see it in the streets of Kyiv, people don't speak Russian anymore, whereas before they they did, they're speaking Ukrainian. There is a genuine suspicion, if not active hatred for not just the Russian regime, but the Russian people who the Ukrainians feel are not opposing this war or only oppose it because they're afraid they will be mobilized and sent into the meat grinders of Bakhmut and wherever else. So Putin, I think it's fair to say as of now, and assuming Ukraine survives, which it, it looks to to do, and then some, Putin has lost Ukraine for Russia forever, or at least for the indefinite uh, future. Would you agree?
1: Well, I agree that uh, the whole thing was counterproductive. The, the aggression was counterproductive, definitely, from, starting from the Crimea and Donbass and all that. Uh, on in the same time in his reading i think uh that there that was a partial success because he stopped uh the movement of ukraine not not desire of ukrainians but uh, practical diplomatic uh, achievement of joining european union even not to speak of nato because the west uh took this uh uh, like very timidly and uh, uh, believed probably part of his narrative, especially after he so successfully and easily at that time, because it was a time of deep crisis in Ukraine, uh, uh, took uh, the the Crimea and took part of Donbass. So uh, probably in the West, there was a trend of appeasement and they, uh, absolutely stopped any discussion of uh, Ukraine joining NATO or even European Union. So in that sense, he felt, uh, and the easiness of this initial state eight years ago or 10 years ago now, almost, uh, that encouraged him, you know? So he read it differently, not as a failure, but just as a first step and a rather successful step. And also, there was a war euphoria uh, or success euphoria in Russian, Hurri Patriotic. I mean, not because Russians are bad people, but because that's what happens. You know, when from all the screens you hear that, oh, our, our troops, Russian troops, they Succeed that there is no resistance and all that, so uh, people get kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of
0: uh, they get war hysteria and patriotic. It happens, yeah, yeah,
1: it's hysteria, but but they they were satisfied. Many people still today, uh, there is a kind of residual dynamic of that in Russia that they think that. Maybe there is success at hand some, somewhere, uh, but Ukraine, yes, Ukraine, um, it, it was complete miscalculation. And when I was still speaking uh, in uh, on the Russian media, on the Russian TV, before it, when it was still possible to say a decent uh, kind of view, uh, I was telling them that um ukraine is a nation and they will be a nation and they will never go back to neo soviet dictatorship like, like in russia uh, and you know what but but my voice was uh, in uh, you know like in the wilderness and they did not believe it they believed uh, the opposite now is it forever that ukraine is a lost no uh, if Russia becomes democratic tomorrow, I mean, it's it's very meager me- me- uh, idea now man, that chances is very low, but there is a chance of that. Uh, it will be very f- uh, fast that Russian and Ukrainian people become to recognize it. So that the, the, the problem is not ethnic. The problem is not linguistic. The problem is that Russia went to dictatorship Back like Soviet Union. And Ukraine wanted uh, that's what actually uh, dissolved, that's why the Soviet Union was dissolved, because Ukraine wanted to go fast to the West, join the West. But not necessarily against Russia. Of course not. I mean,
0: but I mean when I say lost, I don't mean that there can't be bilateral relations or you know the cross-pollination of culture and people. I'm talking about Russian hegemony. As applied toward Ukraine, that the attempt to to reconstitute the Russian Empire with Ukraine as an integral part for the foreseeable future, generations are going to be raised with the memory and the trauma of this war. Uh, I don't see them allowing such a thing to to come to pass. I mean, or at least, again, when I say foreseeable future, I mean several decades from now, a hundred years, two hundred years from now. Who knows? But this is this is the thing right you know putin has failed in this project you talk about nato and and the eu ukraine is on track now i mean i'm even surprised frankly to see the nato secretary general say in no uncertain terms ukraine's destiny is in nato and all the allies of the the, the alliance agree this was an a, an unfathomable position um you know even two years ago right there had been no progress since what the bucharest summit in 2008 about ukraine joining nato everyone seemed to understand this would be too provocative for the russians and they weren't frankly a fit enough nation to do so but now again everything is being fast-tracked as a direct result of as you called it the the russian miscalculation uh, is that not a fair yes
1: yes no no that's absolutely clear and uh, the idea of uh a reincarnation of the uh, Russian Empire of the last uh, beginning of the last century or end of the previous century, that was actually uh, already not working. Uh, Hundred years ago, during this uh, revolution, the, the first revolution uh, in in Russia, when monarchy f- f- fell, uh, the, the republics uh, o- almost as uh, like we were uh, our revolution in nineteen ninety one there was a it, it was evident that uh, the empire is dying, but this the communists Stalin uh succeeded to kind of uh, put it back together, but by what by brutal force, just brutal force and they were not able to stand against that. But the moment uh, the brutal force was denied, that, and that was actually historic, uh, historic, heroic act uh, by Gorbachev, that's what makes him a history figure. You know, uh, that he said, there will be no blood. And when people understood that there would not be blood, uh, the the, uh, Berlin Wall went down. Then all the uh, so-called socialist countries uh, in Europe uh, went to the West and wanted, from the very beginning, actually to join NATO and European Union. And Ukraine uh, voted. almost 90% -hmm. including population of uh, 56%. Crimea. Population uh, in Crimea, Mm -hmm. uh, despite ethnically Russian, um, many of them, very many of them are um, and were ethnically Russian. But as I said, it's not ethnic problem. Uh, It's a, a political problem. They wanted to go, Independent because they were fearful that Russia will come back despite of our government, which tried uh, reforms in Russia. But they saw that we had tremendous difficulty and that it was not guaranteed that we would succeed and we did not succeed. And from then on, uh, the idea, so the idea of empire is old and outdated for already at least 100 years but uh the 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 uh, you know it's slowly gaining strength and slowly gaining a structure and in that sense absolutely there is no way back there is no way back not only in ukraine but believe it or not in uh Transcaucasian Republics or even an Asian Republic some of them uh much less developed uh, politically and uh, educationally and all that but still you know nobody of them is for, for for uh grasp for Russian uh imperialists but speaking of relations between Russians and Ukrainians I give you one a historic example: Germany, the Nazi Germany, uh committed unbelievable crimes uh, against Ukrainian people and Ukraine against Russian people. And you know what? In in the time life of of one generation, actually, when the Nazis were defeated and when um, Germany took. The, 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 the way to democracy, started to build democracy and became part of European um, uh, thanks to American, uh, of course, intervention, uh, then everything changed. And now Germany is a lie, actually, in the sense of, uh, or a friend of Ukraine, while <laughs> Russia is a, a An enemy. So that's what I'm saying that if tomorrow in Russia, so it's internal Russian, uh, there is no other reason for the war. And there will be no other reason uh, for um, peace and even cooperation between uh, Russia and Ukraine after the dictatorship uh, uh,
0: falls. Well, you mentioned Gorbachev as a historical fig- historic figure. I, I agree, but this begs the question: Who is the Gorbachev of this Russian system or regime? I mean, it, it, it's very hard to put your finger on who might be. We can we can say that there are there are technocrats. There might be those who would be more pragmatically inclined, but. To have a vision and to be idealistic in the current environment. I mean, perhaps there are such such actors and they're sort of keeping their head below the parapet, but I don't know. I mean, in the inner circle, which as you know, grows smaller and smaller with time, uh, Putin seems to surround himself by those who are either like-minded or who, by contrast, such as Patrushev, make Putin look it's more sensible and and progressive. I mean, so where again, this comes back to my my first question. You you said there's a meager chance for tomorrow Russia being transformed or or revolutionized. Sorry to use that word. I know it's kind of a dirty one in, in the Russian context, but into a democracy. How do you envisage this process taking place? If not tomorrow, then in the years to come. I mean, does it begin with a a, a definitive military defeat which maybe the the vast population of the russian people will not be privy to because of brainwashing state television and the rest of it but certainly the elites in moscow and i mean the new nomenklatura of russia will be aware of this defeat and that's going to cause internal chaos that's going to have knives out for putin and the people who plan this war there's going to be retribution i mean what what is if you had to make a prediction what would be the most likely scenario?
1: Uh, The definitive uh, military defeat in Ukraine, which I define uh, as uh, the liberation of the Ukrainian territory as it was uh, in the borders it had in 1991 when the Soviet Union was dissolved. This border between Russia and Ukraine is the border of Ukraine, legitimate border of Ukraine and this is legitimate border of Russia. So that should not be questioned. Uh, that, that's why the, the Western assistant assistance and that's why Ukrainians uh, are speaking only of liberating, Their legitimate territory, which includes, of course, Crimea and all that. That could be and will be probably achieved only by military means, because that's how they grabbed the territory, uh, proclaimed it like um, annexed or something, a part of Ukrainian territory. They did it by force. So only by force it could be liberated. Yes, that would be. A defeat of Russia, uh, of, of Russian military, of Putin's regime, but what would be the consequences of that inside Russia? I think is very questionable, and it should be done in any case, whatever the the, the consequences. But uh, as uh, the U.S. Um, Secretary of Defense said once. And after that, somebody probably told him not to, to repeat it again. But
0: he right, said, the president told him not to repeat it, according to the New York Times. But yeah, well, I know you.
1: According yes to, but I don't
0: know. I, <laughs> yeah. uh, right.
1: uh, what uh, he said that we need to give that as America need to give them weapons to liberate their territory, and to be able to stand against any new aggression. That's the key point. And uh, uh, one of the options is yeah. that Putin, or at least his regime, whoever they the would be, m- might be unchanged. The regime might be unchanged, uh, drastically unchanged. I mean, uh, seriously unchanged. Um, even if it w- uh, it would not be headed by Putin himself but there is very good chance also that Putin will survive that. That, That's a totally uh, wrong idea that he cannot survive, that he cannot uh, be defeated in Ukraine and also Of course he can. I mean, (laughs) he ruined Russian economy, he ruined Russian society, he ruined Russian future and uh, get uh, got away with this, <laughs> so why won't he got away with a war on a different territory and come back? Just what happens if he is defeated in Ukraine? He will be still the Tsar in the Russia where he began. He was uh, appointed a so-called president and became dictator of Russia in its initial uh, borders. So, if uh, he comes back uh, again uh, in or only in those borders, he will be still the Tsar and he will be still uh, the dictator, and his regime might be dictatorial. Uh, so, uh, it's very much possible that after the defeat in Ukraine, nothing particular happens in Russia, but Russia will be, of course. Uh, on the way of self isolation and continuously it will be stopped from uh, another attempt of aggression against ukraine only by a western uh, support of ukraine and it will be like a giant north korea and north korea is a nuclear state it's aggressive state by 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 its nature, but it does not attack South Korea because they know that there are American troops and uh, there is ironclad American support. So they don't want to be defeated there again. So they just sit in there with the same kind of dictatorship already for a couple of generations. And unfortunately, I mean it's it's very painful to, for me to 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 say it about my uh, motherland. But uh, that's the possibility that Russia under Putin and under his successors, whether they are hereditary or not, uh, which is still possible too. I mean, uh, it it would become just a North Korea nuclear state dependent on. China, over-dependent on, on China, which is already the case now, and not attacking, despite aggressiveness, not attacking Ukraine, like those do not attack uh, South Korea. There is some possibility. You never know what happens in Russia. Russia is full of surprises. So <laughs> it's enigma in, um, what is this, uh, the,
0: a riddle and an enigma, something yes, like that. Riddle,
1: yeah. enigma, and all that, and th- that's true. So there is a chance that some kind of more moderate forces will come, and they will gradually uh, try to, to 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 reform Russia and gradually to improve relations with the West after defeat. After defeat, uh, maybe even. A democratic forces would come, you know, like we came in uh, early 90s, but uh, nobody expected that my humble self a year or two years before I became uh, the full scale uh, foreign minister of the Russian independent or new Russia, I would not believe it. If somebody told me that there would be no Soviet Union or in in a year or two, and uh, the communist party would be totally uh, dissolved, you know, and all that, so, uh, but that happened. So, uh, we it's it's very difficult to predict. But uh, again, let's face it: uh, the regime change or borders change, or composition of Russia change should not be any close to the Western strategy and the aims of Ukraine in this war. The only strategy and the aims of Ukraine should be liberation of Ukraine and creating ability for Ukraine to to become what it wants to be it wants to be a democratic country join um, europe and all that so
0: that's let me let me just ask you there's a counterintuitive argument here which is okay putin in power i mean joe biden famously said this guy can't stay in power right because he's so dangerous and he's he's, he's got such grand ambitions dark ambitions but putin in power uh feeling that his 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 power is stable that he can suffer defeat after defeat after defeat he can cripple the economy he can turn russia from a an integrated global you know economic and commercial powerhouse into as you say north korea in eurasia and still sit on the throne with no problem and no internal real opposition or threat to his rule that actually Helps the West in terms of planning its forward strategy for Ukraine, right? Because in the beginning of this conflict, we were hearing, well, we can't do X because he might get, he might feel in a retaliatory mood and use tactical nuclear weapons or this and that. Suddenly, the fear of World War III, the fear of WMD being deployed has diminished greatly. And based on the reporting, it suggests that China, India, and the United States, believe it or not, in concert, Prevailed upon him and told him that would be game over for you if you did that. So this provides a, a panoply of options for, I mean, the United States, but indeed all the other countries. We saw yesterday the UK confirm they are sending long-range cruise missiles to Ukraine. This was this was again talk about unfathomable developments, unimaginable even three months ago, right? That's it's the reason the US doesn't want to give attackums to Ukraine. Um all of a sudden now we feel that. Putin and his his phantom red lines are are exactly that. They don't exist, right? It's all bluster. Every week, every day, somebody gets up, Soloviev gets up on his show and says we must nuke Talon, we will send tanks to Berlin. You can't keep doing that again and again and again and not do it and have people believe you and and give it the the credibility of a threat, right? So do you feel now? Um, I mean, I always get this sense that things I've been saying for a while about don't listen to the propaganda or or Anatomize the propaganda for what it is, you know, there's only so far they're going to go because they realize deterrence is a thing. I feel that this war has demolished a lot of received wisdom and a lot of built up mythology about Russia and its power projection, not just going back to the, the Putin era, but going back decades. I mean, from the Cold War era, right? And now it seems like the conventional wisdom is beginning to appreciate this, that there's a little more bark than bite here, at least with respect to what Russia is willing to do to NATO or Western countries that, you know, should they be threatened or attacked, will have the full force of what, 28, 29 now member states behind them. Would you agree? Because I see you on Twitter saying, stop listening to the nuclear nonsense. It's not going to happen. This is all bullshit. Just kind of keep calm and carry on. I mean, is that, is that the course that we should be taking in the United States?
1: You said that uh, three months ago, very few people would believe uh, that I told that and I wrote about that everywhere uh, I, I could. I mean, from, from the uh, big pay- newspapers to um, Twitter a year ago, from the very beginning. But I tell you something uh, interesting aspect of that. I think Putin and his entourage, that was another uh, miscalculation. They actually believed in those threats. They thought that they could uh, intimidate the West and stop them from uh, helping Ukraine, especially from giving more and more advanced weapons themselves, They, but then, uh, at certain point, as, as I thought, uh, would happen, uh, and it did happen. At certain point, as you said, after one thousand first threat and after one thousand first uh, warning, they probably sit down and look into that and say, "Okay, is it? It's time to press the button." But then they record that if they press the button against Washington or London today or something, they will be no more themselves in less than 40 minutes because that's the time for the uh, retaliatory uh, strike from the West. Uh, so uh, that means that should, they should have been not only delusional from the very beginning, but suicidal. They were delusional, but they were, and they are not suicidal. They want to be in power. That's exactly the situation with North Korea. The North Korean regime thought probably that when get nuclear bombs, and they did it already a couple of years, And and they got uh, missiles to deliver those uh, nuclear weapons, at least in the region, that they would become a dictator of the region and and, and just take uh, whatever they want. But the key to the whole situation is determination, determination of the West to stop Russia, to ignore the threats, and That's the, the. there is no other way. I mean, like it or not, it is risky. Is there a risk? There is a a risk. But that's the situation of last 70 years from the nuclear weapons age, beginning of the nuclear weapons age. And deterrence means uh, the uh, determination Deterrence is not waging the nuclear war, but its determination to respond to a nuclear aggression, to nuclear attack, full scale. And that's what matters. So whenever the West deters itself from serving Ukraine, from supplying Ukraine, a more effective mean to win the more effective weapon, they feed the uh, Putin's illusion that he can um, scare uh, the West, that he can get. But if he succeeds in scaring the West in Ukraine, there will be no limit. Literally, his next claim would be Alaska, which was once Part of Russian territory. And why not? If they, you know, the nuclear uh, blackmail, the nuclear threat is so overwhelming, if it works, it's like a magic wand. It, it's, you know, forget about Harry Potter, I mean, it's just a magic wand to rule the world. And they probably believe and they still have probably some idea that at certain point they can achieve uh, something with the nuclear threats. And that's rational. You know, some people say that that's irrational. No, it's rational. If you have nuclear weapons, why do you have them? To intimidate. So intimidate is rational.
0: And to protect your regime. from foreign attack, yeah.
1: But to use nuclear weapons, that's what irrational. So, and they are rational people. They want to be kings there, not uh, to be engraved there, you know, just in in a minute's time. So, uh, but that's what probably... Uh, many people in the West miss they think that they should not provoke they provoke uh, nuclear danger increase of nuclear danger when they show weakness towards Russia when they deny Russia uh, F16
0: or uh, means uh, Ukraine no, when they deny Ukraine
1: Ukraine, I mean, uh, Ukraine. yes because they uh, show, they uh, reveal a fear of Putin's threats. The moment you do that, you increase the chance of the war, of the nuclear war.
0: Well, also, it's it's interesting to see the evolution of some of the, the the rationales or maybe rationalizations for why we don't provide certain things, right? You'll recall we can't give attackums to Ukraine because Jake Sullivan said at the uh, Aspen Security Forum in July we're trying to prevent us from sleepwalking toward World War III. Well, okay, and and the issue with attackums is the range, right? They can strike targets inside Russia, which is sort of a a red herring argument because you could, you could take a Glock pistol to the border and strike inside Russia with it. Right. And Ukraine is very disciplined, um, by and large to adhere to the rules, which is when they receive Western weapons, they don't use them to fire in Russia. The stuff they hit inside Russia with is homegrown weapons like drones and so on. But now all of a sudden the Brits are giving cruise missiles, um, you know, with a range that's very similar to that of attackums, it puts all Russian targets in all of occupied Ukraine, including all of Crimea, within reach. Right, and and where is the World War Three? Where is the red line? You know, it's it's suddenly it's it's disappeared. Now the U.S. is saying, well, we're not providing attackums because it's an inventory problem. We don't have enough to make of our, in our own stockpiles. It, it, it causes a problem, not only as you say. Or, you know, you, you end up provoking by being provoked yourself. But you then you 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 undermine your own credibility by inventing these, these arguments, which then several weeks or months down the line, you you just sort of uninvent, right? They they disappear. Well, what happened? Is Putin all of a sudden more kittenish? Is he is he is he not going to retaliate? Have you learned something? Is there new intelligence to suggest that you can bloody his nose indefinitely and he'll just take it? These are the problems that I have with sort of the messaging uh, around this war, you know. And and I mean, you from the very beginning, you have sung from the same hymn sheet about this. And I think you've been, if anything, America and and its its establishment has has gone more toward Andre and his worldview. Um, what what do we get wrong here? I mean, this is this is this seems to be a a a, a deep seated long term problem in the American understanding. Of Russia, right? I mean, in the Cold War, we had the problem of mirror imaging. We expect the Soviets to do what we would do in the same circumstances, except they didn't quite do that because it was a different system and a different culture and a different kind of strategic framework. Are we are we mirror imaging now, or is it is, is, is it something different? I mean, you know, you you alluded to that that old axiom about Russia being a riddle wrapped inside an enigma and all the rest of it, but it's not that complicated. I mean, you figure it out. You know, there are people scholars and academics and analysts who who have been saying what you've been saying, how much of a riddle is it?
1: I don't know. What I know is that deterrence of the nuclear war, that is evasion of the nuclear war, which we all uh, want to evade the nuclear war, the only way is determination, display determination. If it is not displayed that's like you said it's it's a fault of messaging and the messaging means not only words but words should be corrected absolutely
0: you've been listening to foreign office this is michael weiss director of special investigations at the free russia foundation and senior correspondent at yahoo news my guest this week has been andrei kozarev the former foreign minister of russia we'll see you again thanks